It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 8th of January, a status check of where we are, and is this actually what we thought we were going to get? We'll take a look at all those things, plus more, coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, Geeky numbers, hopefully making it a lot more fun to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Hope you're doing great. Thanks so much for tuning in. I wanted to give a uh, tip of the hat. Uh, Joe Ingles' uh, story at utahjazz.com. Joe Ingles and other Australian NBA players have donated three quarters of a million dollars to the Brush Fire Relief. So Aaron Baines, uh, Jonah Bolden, Ben Simmons, Ryan Brokoff, Matt Delvadova, Dante Axum, Thon Maker, Patty Mills, and Joe Ingles. Um, all a part of that. So tip of the hat to them um, and, you know, supporting their homeland and, and obviously scary, terrible situation there. So uh, want to check on that. So just give a little shout out to Joe and all that's taking place um, with that. So update on that. Um, the... Uh, other news, um, oh, sorry, the other news note was actually a really old story. Sorry, I thought there was a Mike Conley injury update on utahjazz.com, but that's not the case. All right, uh, let's get to, here's what I thought we'd do today. We're not quite at the halfway point, but we're, we're getting close um, at 36 games. And I thought we would take a second and just kind of look at where we are um, where we've been recently. What's interesting to me, and, and there's some discussion I've heard that, well, the schedule's been soft. That's pretty true. At the same time, if you actually look at who we've played, the defenses of a bunch of those teams is pretty good, uh, particularly since we've gotten Jordan Clarkson. And so what we actually have done is played about a, a, an average lot of defensive teams. So our offensive number is pretty realistic. Uh, the defensive number is actually a little inflated because we haven't played uh, great teams. What, what's interesting is in the last six games, our offensive rating is a 120, which is insane. It's a 1.2 points per 100 possessions. In that time period, the league average is the same. The league average is 1.1 points per possession or an offensive rating of 110. It's points per 100 possessions equalizing for pace. Um, the league has slowed down a little bit recently, which is frankly... I. You know, I think good for us. But uh, so the league average off, it's not like there's an offensive surge going on. There's an offensive surge going on for the Utah Jazz, the Denver Nuggets, the San Antonio Spurs, and the New Orleans Pelicans, and the Memphis Grizzlies, frankly. Taylor Jenkins doing a heck of a job there. Uh, and they're still playing super fast. They're playing way fast. Memphis is playing way faster than anyone else. Um, but the Jazz offensive rating is a 120 over the last six games with Jordan Clarkson. That's, that's absurd. Good. If you stretch it to the last 12 games, which, you know, okay, that's a really, hey, let's find the 12 games we played great and look at the numbers. Um, we're at a 116.6. We're 11-1. and one. Denver's at a 118. Our, off, our, our differential's better. Denver's defense is not great in that time period. Uh, 
And then, you know, again, the league average in that time is right at 110. This is actually, if you go back when the year started, this is what we thought might happen. Remember? I mean, I, I thought there was a chance the Jazz would be one of the top offensive teams in the NBA, if not behind the Clippers, the top offensive team in the NBA. And to some extent, I think we're actually seeing that now. Um, there's, you know, certainly a little bit of a hot streak and finding a rhythm. Um, but you also have guys that are just playing at an incredible, uh, uh, you just have a, frankly, you have a team that has a bunch of guys that can really shoot it. And you have the best shooting team in the league with a dynamic rim roller and a superstar guard. And you become a very good offensive team. And that's what we envision. Now they're, Hey, Joe's playing, you know, is going to regress to the norm at some point. Joe's in the last 12 games shooting 54% from the field and 53% from three. Bojan's not playing shoot playing particularly well in that stretch, 41% and 36%. So those kind of, you know, equalize each other. Jordan Clarkson's interesting. In Jordan Clarkson's six games with the Jazz, he's shooting exactly what he shot for the 28 games with Cleveland when he played meaningful games for Cleveland, uh, which is 46-41. Emmanuel is probably a little hot. I'm not sure uh, on Royce O'Neal. Actually, he doesn't shoot enough and that much, or he shoots a fine amount. I'm just saying he doesn't shoot enough to work, think it's going to change a lot. And then you have George Niang, who, you know, if you look at the last set of games, Jeff Green in his last six games with a shot 32% from the field and 22% from three. And now all of a sudden you have George Niang, who over the last 12 games is shooting an incredible 54% from three, which is, you know, unlikely when scouting reports get out and that they're going to give George Niang um, that much space. And I love George, but I don't think he's Kyle Korver. Uh, but maybe. <laughs> I don't think so, though. Uh, so there's some, you know, a point here a little bit is there's some regression that's going to take place. But the last 12 games, the offensive rating of a 116 is not crazy. Uh, and, it, you know, it's not it's not outlandish to me that the Utah Jazz, the best offensive team in the league right now is Dallas at 115.5. That's a kind of one of the historically great offensive teams. So that's that's a little high. Um, but if you you know, if we're at one sixteen and we regress a little bit, then we're at one fifteen. We're right up there. That's that's about last year the number one offensive team in the league was Golden State at one fifteen in twenty seven, twenty eighteen. The number one offensive team was Houston at one fourteen. And the 2016-17 team offense was number one in the league. Warriors were at 115, and the Rockets were at 114. It doesn't seem as though the league's changed offensively. Right now, the league average offensive team is 109. Last year, it was 110. Offenses usually get better as the year goes on. The year before, it was 108. And the year before that, it was 108 again. So I don't think there's been a big shift. So, you know, right now, 115 or 114 is going to lead the league. And the Jazz, over the last 12 games are at 116 and over the last, or 117 really, and over the last six games, they're an insane 120. That's They're going to cool that the Jets on that a little bit. But this is the offensive team we thought we were going to see when the year started. Now, defensively, over that last time period, we're the 12th best defensive team in the league, and we've played below average offensive teams. So that actually is a little inflated, and that to me is interesting. There's two sides to this. There I'm never, I don't like this theory because it doesn't help when you're an analytically driven thing, but there is a concept of game flow and game flow is that, Hey, if we're ahead, um, you know, then he would, you know, then you just don't have to defend as much as long as we're scoring. I, I think there's a little to that. 
Um, and your differential is 11.5. It's why differential is what really matters. But I also think, you know what? We're not great defensively yet. We're connected. We're playing better defensively. But we're not, as, as we have improved offensively and put all this focus into the offense, which is probably the right thing uh, for us to do, we have not had a lot of good defensive games. In fact, you know, the old standard for us was keeping a team under a point of possession. And that was when we were at our most elite defensively. We've only done that twice since we've gotten hot. So we did that a bunch early in the year when we couldn't score. Uh, first five games of the year, we kept someone under 100. We did it again against Milwaukee when in a game in which we that game we won. Um, we have we have not done that. We did it against Detroit, who could not score against us, and we did it against Philadelphia uh, in the loss in Philadelphia. It's interesting, right? That we and. Interestingly enough, Detroit is the second worst offensive game we've had um, since that Laker game uh, on the on the fourth of December. So we just, we have not defended particularly well recently. We have not had um, those kind of stalwart defensive games where you hold a team below a point of possession and you win eighty six percent of those games because that's as important as having a great offensive game. That's you know. So let's. So we are almost back in my mind, 36 games into the season, a little bit to where we were at the beginning of the year, which was, wow, we're going to be this weird offense. We're going to be this incredible offensive team. And then what will we be able to rank defensively? And that is probably still the question is what can we be defensively crazy? Isn't it? We're 36 games into the season and through all the doldrums and all the other stuff, we've actually now gotten with the addition of Jordan Clarkson and some roster changes right back to where we we were when the year started. Where do we sit? Like, what's our projections? Where do we sit in the standings? What are all the projection systems have for us? Where does the Western Conference sit? Let, let's check on those things. Today's show is brought to you by The Store at 6200 South and 20th East. Uh, I love going to The Store because it's just that great community feel. I'm sure I'll stop by today on my way. Uh, I'll take some runs with Dad this afternoon over at Solitude. I just come right down, 6200 South, 20th East, pick up something to grab on the way uh, to the arena. And probably a mudslide cookie and uh, stop by it, uh, you, you just get a great vibe and feel there. You have the young kids helping people out with their groceries. You have all the Utah's own products as the Jeff and Scott are so committed to making sure they help the Utah uh, realtors out there uh, or get, get their items out onto the shelves and, and whether it's jams or chips or uh even cotton candy or June pies. It's all, all so great. So stop by the store, 600 South 20th East. And if you're downtown today, they have a new store that's right across from the Children's Museum. In the Gateway, they have hot lunches for you, great deli sandwiches as well. It's a great spot to stop by. It's kind of an urban grocery store with all everything everything you need in a small little area. It's super fun. Uh, 600 South 20th East and also down the Gateway, it's the store. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. 
That's just a few of the 30 plus health conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple because let's be honest here. If it's not easy, I'm not going to do it. And if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at freshly.com slash locked on NBA. That's freshly.com slash locked on NBA. All right, let's take a look at where the projection systems have. We have the lock silliness, which is the road to 55, 55, a huge number. But I felt when the year started that if you wanted to secure home court, you were going to probably have to win 55 games. That's, I don't think that's holding to be true. That might now be the number two seed, and I'll explain that in a minute. But the idea here is you just looked at Denver. You say, okay, we play them four times, twice at home. We'll win one at home. We'll win one on the road, and you split. And so you just look at you know, Portland. We'll play them. This was when we thought they'd be a little bit better. You'll play them four times. You'll win one at home, one on the road. Minnesota, you'll play them. You'll win uh, you'll play them twice at home. You'll win both. You'll play them twice on the road. You'll win one. And you just go through that system until you get to the point where you actually end up with 55 wins and figure out what it's going to take. So, for example, Minnesota, we're projected to have one win at home so far, and we did not, so we have zero. On the other hand, we have one win projected to date on the road, and we actually have two. So you act, that comes out even. So far, doing this system, hopefully that made some sense. It's a little wacky. We have... Should have won 21 games to date. We've won 22. No, we've won 24. So something's wrong with my system. That's a mistake. We're plus one right now is the point of that. I have a, I'm not adding everything up. We're plus one. So we're actually ahead of pace for 55 uh, wins right now, which is um, interesting. So there's our differential probably doesn't say that we can win. This is if, and make sure this doesn't say this is, There's a difference between these two things we're doing here. This is, if we're going to win 55 games, what we have to do. We're one ahead of that pace. Um, It does not say, oh, we're playing well enough to win 55. This was just an arbitrary uh, creation of what it would take to win 55. So we're ahead of that pace. That's the good news. Now let's run through. There's, There's three systems out there that are pretty good. There's ESPN. There's basketball reference, um, and there, uh, there's actually even a fourth after that, um, that's out there. So there's, there's a, there's a bunch of different systems. Um, we'll look at the three that, uh, most people kind of look at, um, which is the, uh, ESPN basketball reference and then 538. And there's certainly some, um, some level of 538 and ESPN are similar. And so, you have to kind of understand that to, that there's an there's some level of that. All right, uh, ESPN basketball their their basketball power index or whatever they call it, which used to be Hollinger, and then Hollinger went to do a bunch of other stuff. Uh, has the Jazz projected as the fifth team in the Western Conference, winning 52 games? They have the Lakers at 62. By the way, news just came across that Anthony Davis will travel with the team after. Um, last night, so he'll he, he took a bad fall um, and will travel. So they have the Lakers running away with it at 62 wins. The Clippers at 56. The Rockets at 54. Dallas at 53. Jazz at 52. Nuggets at 52. This begins to open the eyes to the thing that I think is going to be most incredible. One is that every game is going to matter. So, yes, you're allowed to, like, just go bananas anytime we drop a game we're supposed to win. 
The, the second one that I think is kind of incredible in this is, let's assume for a second these models are right and the Lakers run away a little bit. Now, if the Lakers, Anthony Davis does miss a few games and suddenly, you know, LeBron, when you're supposed to win 62, if you drop a few, it's, it's, you don't have any place to make them up. Um, and the Clippers are built off the fact that they've been resting guys and who they are right now. So that 56 is probably fairly accurate. But I do think that there's a real chance that excluding the one seed with the Lakers running away, that the two through six seed will be separated by 52 to 55 wins. And the impact of this is going to be tremendous. So if you win 55 and you get a two seed, you, you or a one seed, you're playing, as of right now, Portland or Oklahoma City in the first round. Oklahoma City's really playing well, and Chris Paul's clutch play is stunning. I'm, I have it on the list of things to talk about today. Uh, is... And so you look at that, and they, they wouldn't be an easy out, but, but that's not like playing Utah or Denver. So when suddenly the Lakers and Clippers or maybe even Houston with Westbrook get into load management, or Dallas with Przingis, or us with Mike Conley, or Denver, well, Denver's so young they probably won't, or as Denver heads into the trade deadline trying to find a little bit of an edge, the difference between winning 52 and 53 games, 53 and 54 games, 53 and 55 games. What not only is going to be the difference of home court, but could be the difference between playing Oklahoma City and New Orleans or Oklahoma City and San Antonio in the first round instead of playing you go do one too many load management games as the LA Clippers slide into 3 and you got the Utah Jazz in the first round. Or you do load management for two too many games, and suddenly you're on the road to Houston really quite easily. And that's going to make the final 40-whatever games of the season insane. So let's go to basketball reference. They use a little bit of a different metric, so theirs will come out different. They also have the Lakers running away for, with it a little bit at 60. ESPN had them at 62. Clippers at 55. This is... It, and their number's are always a little lower. Clippers at 55. They have Dallas still as the third team at 54. Rockets at 53 as the fourth seed. Denver at 51 as the fifth seed. And the Jazz at 50 as the sixth seed. Uh, some of the reasons for that is so far, um, our, though our remaining strength of schedule is the fifth high, hardest of that group of six. Clippers have the easiest remaining strength of schedule, according to basketball reference, then the Lakers, then Dallas, then Houston, and then us in Denver. So that, I think, is a little bit. The other thing is their rating system, which takes into account player differential and what our strength of schedule is, we're the least good team of that group right now. So um, now what gets crazy is, you know, the best and worst scenarios. They have every single one of those teams, best case scenarios, they win over 60 games. So the upside for every single one of these teams is still really real. And even the Jazz, who they have as the sixth seed, has a 25% chance of getting home court advantage. And these can swing. You go win a few games and this can all swing. Uh, Denver actually has a 36% advantage of getting you know, a first-round play. They have the Lakers at 80% uh, getting that, that first-round buy. Or that first round number one seed. So they everyone does see the Lakers running away a little bit. Anthony Davis uh, 
is going on the Dallas Oklahoma City trip. That I mean, that's that's the level we're talking about. If Anthony Davis actually doesn't play, it does sound like he's he, he's all right. The MRI's clean. He's traveling with the team. Um, you know, if he doesn't go play at Oklahoma City and Dallas, well, Dallas goes gets a win you don't expect. Lakers lose two games, maybe that you didn't. You know, when you're trying to win sixty, you're not going to lose both of them, and all of a sudden, uh, everything swings from there. Uh, take a look at five thirty eight as well. Um, and, um, take a look, take a look at that, uh, as, as we continue, uh, today's show brought to you by my good friend, Rob Taylor, not Rob Thomas and Shamrock ever auto group, uh, super appreciative of all that they do, uh, out there. If you're looking for a nearly new car. Uh, then Shamrock's group. Rob started Shamrock Auto Group out in Pleasant Grove uh, after he decided, you know, we we I, we can do this better. We can be lean. We can give people a quick experience. We give them great pricing, no drama, no hassle, and we get you any truck or any sedan. Well, Rob's favorite thing is when someone calls and says, "I'm looking for this specifically. Can you go and find it for me?" And then he goes. His other one is when people come from out of state because they've had great experiences and they want to come back. Out of door pricing in five minutes. Test drive by yourself. Buying experience in under an hour. Full service can do financing in house and with extended warranties. Value driven and Carfax and everything. Give Rob a call. Say hi to Rob. Brady Kimball's down there as well. He's his technician who's been there. 801 319 2250. 801 319 2250. That's how you can reach Shamrock Auto Group. Say hi to Rob. Rob's a big cyclist, huge jazz fan. He's going to be all fired up about how good they are right now. Shamrock Auto Group out in Pleasant Grove. If you have something you're looking for, he specializes in the Utah County assault vehicles. So you're talking the Suburbans and the uh, Yukons and all those. But if you're looking for something uh, specific, he can go find it for you and get your great one. And his technician uh, has been a, his buyer's been a technician for over 25 years. So they make sure they get you quality. That's the Shamrock Auto Group. You can check it out at shamrockautogroup.com. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. All right, here's 538. I don't know if they're any better, uh, but they have the Lakers at 60 as well. So everyone has the Lakers running away. They have the Clippers at 57. So again, this is... This is their based on their new Raptor system. They have the Rockets at 56. So this is a much more aggressive win total. They have the Jazz as the fourth seed at 53. Tied with the Nuggets at 53. 
And then the Mavericks at 52. It's too bad that we play Denver on a back end of a back-to-back January 30th in what's a, is a, is a mammoth game. We played Denver four times to close out the year. Denver comes to us on Wednesday the 5th. We'll have had four days off for a big ESPN game. Then we go back to Denver on the fifth to last game of the year on April 5th and close with Denver on the final game of the NBA season on April 14th. I think we're the final game maybe of the entire season because it's a late it's a late start, um, which could have just, I mean, it's looking way ahead, but could have incredible ramifications on, on what's taking place. Uh, and then they have the Mavericks at 52. But again, so they have the Clippers at 57. All, all the Clippers have to do just a little extra load management. Here it is again. Six through two, two through six is 55 to 52 wins, which is just an incredibly high level number. Um, And also is, you know, just gives you very little wiggle room on, on what you're trying to do. And even, you know, less of a wiggle room on trying to figure out um, how you're going to, you know, on load management or just blinking on a given night. Um, so kind of crazy. Uh, all right. Well, I wanted to touch on Chris Paul for a second. So there's a site called Impredictable, and they do some interesting stuff on all your field goals. So they sort field goals by garbage time, normal basketball, clutch. So any shot taken with an elevated impact on winning and what they call clutch two. So those are shots crucial to outcome, buzzer beaters, potential buzzer beaters, things like that. Donovan Mitchell this year is shooting 52% effective field goal percentage in normal time. In clutch time, he's up to 52.8. And in big time clutch, he's at 50, which is amazing. Um, 73% of his shots are in normal. 12% of his shots are in clutch. Um, Like, for example, here's one that's interesting. Trey Young is taking 15% of his shots in garbage time right now. Uh, Which is just, you know, a tremendous amount. Um, Colin Sexton is taking the most in garbage time. James Harden, Trey Young, Darius Garland, Montrez Harrell, Chris Middleton, LeBron, Russell Westbrook. Um, Russell Westbrook's really interesting. Russell Westbrook in garbage effective field goal percentage is 37%. His normal effective field goal percentage is 47, which isn't great. In clutch, it goes up to 48. And then in super clutch, it goes to 50. Just, you know, interesting. Um, so, of clutch shots, Donovan Mitchell's taken the second most of anyone in the NBA. He shoots 52.8% effective field goal percentage. Devontae Graham in Charlotte is actually better at 55. Shea Gilgis Alexander's at 56. Giannis is at 56. Buddy Heald is at 62. These are players who've taken more than 50 clutch shots this year. James Harden is at 54.4, plus you add all the times he's been fouled. And then <clears throat> Joe Harris off other people's creations at 63. Joel Embiid is at 58. And then Montrez Harrell and Devin Booker. So he's in the elite category, but the guys are, some guys are having pretty good years. Donovan's at 52.8. And Donovan, remember, started terribly. He hit his, missed his first 10 threes. So if we start to, you know, place from when the Jazz have gotten gotten better and take this number to being from since December 1 on Donovan, then 
all of a sudden we see even more impressive. Donovan is at 60.3% in the clutch since December 1. Buddy Heald's on fire as well. Joe Harris is on fire in that same time period. James Harden's at 62. And then uh, Trey Young actually is at 70. Or Chris Paul. This is what I want to get to. Chris Paul, since December 1st, Chris Paul in the clutch is shooting 70% effective field goal percentage. 70. And in the super clutch, he's taken 11 shots and he's shooting 55% effective field goal percentage. Dennis Schroeder's on fire too and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I mean, Oklahoma City is just amazing in close games right now. But, but Donovan... In this clutch, in the last 17 games, has taken, taken 39 shots and has made effective field goal percentage of 61%. Pretty great. So Chris Paul's better at 70. Buddy Heald's at 61. Joe Harris, as I mentioned, 60. James Harden's right at 61. Of guys have taken 30 or more, that's it. So Donovan's as, as good as anyone in the clutch right now. You stretch it down, Aaron Baines gets into it at 25 shots. has been very good. He's obviously not creating in LeBron. At 23 shots, recently is at 65% since December 1. Um, so kind of an interesting, I like the way they look at it. It also gives you just kind of an insight on where guys are getting their shots and their effective field goal percentage and, um, and some of those kind of things on uh, percentage of shots and their normal shooting, etc. Um, but Donovan has, been taken, has taken the second most amount of clutch shots of anyone in the NBA, according to Impredictable, which... To his credit. Chris Paul, it's just ridiculous. For the season, Chris Paul is at 64.3% in the clutch on 77 shots, with 17 of them being in the super clutch. I mean, what he is doing right now is otherworldly. And it's not totally brand new. Two years ago in Houston, he was right at the same level. When he snakes under that pick and roll and goes and gets those shots, it's, it is absolutely nearly impossible to stop him to Donovan's credit. This is huge growth last year's effective field goal percentage in the clutch was, was, or two his rookie year was 36 and last year was 53. And now he's made this stride this year. Um, you know, on a similar, or actually, let me see how they're doing this. I want to make sure I'm not counting him on the same 50. They're calling this 2019 season. So last year he was third. I don't have his 2017 numbers. Last year he was in the clutch. He was 36% effective field goal percentage. That's not good. So great strides uh, there by Donovan. Chris Paul's a story though. Really incredible of what they're doing, what he's doing. They've won as many games as we have in the clutch um, and the level he's playing. It gets interesting. Donovan Mitchell and Chris Paul, Mike and Devin Booker, two of the three are all-stars. Um, so we'll see Brandon Ingram, Rudy Gobert, I think are going to be the all-star conversation there. That that's where I think we are on the, on, and Chris Paul, out of respect, it's going to be hard for coaches not to vote Chris Paul. So then it's a Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell discussion, but I think Chris Paul's worked himself into the all-star game. And then there's going to be a question of whether Brandon Ingram for all the steps he's taking averaging, you know, big numbers on a team that is 12 and 25 deserves an all-star bid over Rudy Gobert and what he's doing when we're 24 and 12. Um, And Rudy's been great defensively. We have not been great defensively. 
So I think that's where we're sitting on the all-star end of things. We'll continue to monitor that. That is Locked on Jazz today. Thanks very much for tuning in. Hope you had a nice day. Uh, we'll play the Knicks tonight. Didn't do a lot of preview on the Knicks. They're actually playing really well. They're 6-9 and nine under Mike Miller, 14th best offense, 11th best defense, 10th best differential team overall. They got smoked last night uh, by the Lakers. But this is, if we're sluggish, first game back from a road trip, they could grab us. We got we to gotta be on our game. And to the point of what we talked about all show, you cannot let these slip. This is Locked on Jazz, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. The Wednesday edition of Locked on Jazz is John Corrales and Jake Madison. It's available to you, so tell your smart speaker to play the most, tell, say, okay, whomever, play most recent episode of podcast Locked on NBA. Have a great day. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.